hear very like variations of the word thrill a lot during this podcast because I'm thrilled about my guest today. I love interviewing authors, especially first timers who don't always get a lot of exposure. But today, I've hit the big time with someone who's received accolades from the Ivy League of best-selling authors. Stay tuned for my conversation with K.J. Howe. You're listening to Imagine Publicity on Air, and I'm your host, Delilah Jones of ImaginePublicity.com, where we can help you navigate the vast sea of the Internet. So for the last six years, K.J. Howe has immersed herself in the world of kidnapping to bring authenticity to the pages of her books. The first novel, The Freedom Broker, won a Thriller Award for its best, for best first novel. Her second book, Skyjack, received a box and starred review from Publishers Weekly and a starred review from Library Journal. Welcome to the show, K.J. Howe. It's an absolute delight to be here, and thanks for the wonderful introduction. You bet. I always like to start off by giving listeners some background on the person behind the author title. Your early years exposed you to a, a number of cultures around the world. Can you tell us about that? Sure, I'm delighted to. Uh, my father worked in telecommunications, so we moved all around the world, and I lived in places like Saudi Arabia, Kenya, Switzerland, Austria, Puerto Rico, and a host of other places. And I always felt you know, that uh, growing up, the, the best education I ever had was the travel, to be able to have insight into other cultures and different ways of thinking. And, um, of course, you know, when it came to writing thrillers, I felt the international milieu was a great back or setting for me because I was so familiar with it. So you were you educated in other countries? How many how many countries would you say you've been educated in? Where did you go to school? Oh, a, a variety of different places, and I often was basically, you know, interrupted mid-year, right? Because it was, you know, it the my father's contracts would be different and, and end and come and go. So it was fantastic because um, I actually ended up going to boarding school for a few years in Europe um, because when the time during they were in Saudi Arabia, I lived there for part of the time, but there wasn't education available for me at the age I was. And so it, I just feel like it was fantastic, like I said. And I, I'm not sure exactly how many countries, but quite a few. And um, But Toronto, Canada was always still home for me. And so, and that's where I actually live right now. But uh, I travel extensively to this day, and I'm always off on some travel adventure. Oh, it sounds fabulous. <laughs> well, how did how did all of this, your childhood and your upbringing, how did that prepare you for creating the character Thea Paris, who appears in Freedom Broker and Skyjack? Well, you know, given all this international travel, and I did go with, you know, with my parents to a lot of unusual and sometimes dangerous places, I felt that there was this overarching shadow, you know, kind of following you around. And, you know, just, you know, when you grow up somewhere, you know, very kind of um, comfortable, like, for example, in Canada, it's relatively safe. So you don't have that feeling of, you know, warning or that. And my parents often said, hey, listen, you know, be careful when you're traveling here. You shouldn't be alone. And I think that kind of gave me that um, maybe situational awareness that maybe a lot of people growing up in one country don't have as much, right? Because I had to be on the lookout for trouble or, you know, things that might go wrong. 
And so I think that really fascinated me. And when it came to, you know, writing books, um, I actually ironically started because my local library had a romance writing course. And I attended it, and I gave, I, you know, I tried my hand at romance writing to start. But um, when all these dead bodies started showing up in my books, I, I realized that perhaps it was the wrong genre for me. But of course, you know, I do love, um, you know, romantic relationships and entanglements. And Thea and another character named Riff um, definitely have that connection. And I feel like any romantic, you know, interactions definitely add to a story. I think they rich in it because we all want to have that love connection. Oh, absolutely. Well, how much of yourself and your experiences are in this character? Well, I really, I grew up with two brothers, and my father would treated me like one of the boys in a very good way, in the sense that I learned how to motorcycle and ski do and, you know, ski and scuba dive and, you know, a host of other exciting, thrilling ventures um, as a kid and, you know, growing up as an adult. And so I feel like I have that aspect of Thea. You know, I really enjoy adventure and, and adrenaline-inducing activities. But, of course, she's much braver than I am because I'm not really, you know, interested in facing down gunfire. Um, but to make sure that I had authenticity, because that's really important to me, I actually did combat training in the Phoenix Desert with uh, Craft International. And what they do is they take you down there and they, they teach you hand-to-hand combat, knife fighting skills, and, um, of course, you know, everything about guns. And I was able to fire pretty much every gun that Thea has ever fired. And I feel that, you know, just to do something and to feel it, you bring an authenticity to the page. So there's a, there's a lot of me in the books for sure. I think any author who says there isn't is probably a little bit in denial. Uh, but at the same time, you know, your imagination goes wild and you can do things that, uh, you know, with a character that you wouldn't necessarily want to do with yourself. It's a great way to um, live one, vicariously through your character, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> it's exciting, right? And the other yeah. thing, too, it's interesting. Um, Thea Paris has type 1 diabetes, and um, I'm a former medical writer. So that came in handy. With I really felt that there was a real underrepresentation of chronic illness in fiction, especially thriller fiction. The only way I see it sometimes is through drug and alcohol addiction, right? You know, the character has gone through a lot and, and has some issues about that, but never really chronic illness. And I wanted to show, you know, people with diabetes or any other chronic illness that uh, even though they have, you know, parameters and things that are, you know, obstacles to overcome, they can still pursue their dream job. That's fantastic because you're absolutely right. The, that issue is not very well represented in a lot of different genres, not just thrillers, but yes, for your heroine or your your character to, um, you know, to have this and to show how it can overcome, it, I think that's a fantastic thread to the story. Um, let's talk a little bit about Thea Paris. What's what's so special about her as your as your main character? Well, I mean, I saw in the market as well that we had, you know, Jason Bourne and Jack Ryan and um, Jack Reacher, a lot of very strong alpha males. But I saw that there's a bit of a vacuum when it comes to alpha females. 
And I said to myself, you know, given the fact, like I said, I grew up with brothers and always wanted to do everything they were doing, I said, let's, you know, create an alpha female because that women can cheer on. And, and seeing the wonderful success of, the, of Wonder Woman made me inspired as well because it's like, okay, wait a second, there, there's a lot of people out there, male and female, who would enjoy a story about a strong female striking out. And, you know, I felt as well um, that I wanted to give Thea a background that made kidnapping incredibly personal. So when Thea was only eight years old, she watched as her 12-year-old brother Nikos was taken in her place and kidnapped. And uh, I'm not giving any spoilers away here, just all on the back cover. Um, But that was a profound, life-changing moment for her because her brother eventually did come back home, but he was never the same. And their family really fractured. And I wanted to show, you know, that her motivation to be a kidnap negotiator was extremely personal and that she wanted to prevent what happened to her family from happening to other families. And I feel like when the character has that incredibly strong personal motivation, it uh, it really comes through on the pages. So both of your books um, are are the background, let's say, is the is the world of kidnap and ransom. And how how did that come to you? Why why this particular area of um, thriller i guess you might say yeah, sure. why did why did why did you go that direction well once again i love to try and you know strike out and do something different and i felt that almost you know a huge amount of crime fiction focuses on murder and murder's fascinating but there's a finality to murder whereas kidnapping is sort of a purgatory your character or whoever's captured the hostage is alive but they're not really living because they're stuck in this horrible frozen bubble where they're dependent on everyone else for whatever they need. And at the same time, when they finally get out and they're returned to their family, people expect the same person back. But after an experience like that, so harrowing, going through you know the, the boredom, the you know bad hygiene, bad food, um, beatings, torture, even anything that, that happens during that thing, it changes you. And that person comes back different. Now, some people do incredibly well after being kidnapped and are able to live normal, happy lives afterwards. Other people, you know, deal with PTSD and, you know, horrible flashbacks and other issues. And so I I find um, I'm a huge fan of psychology and getting behind, you know, the scenes and seeing into people's lives and what makes them tick. And I really wanted to showcase that. And I think kidnapping... We never know how we're going to handle something like that ourselves. And to put characters in that position and see how they respond will tell you a lot about that character. You must have done a lot of research about this. Um, what, what type of research or what is there out there that could give you the background to put into these types of characters? What did you do? Well, it's a really good question, and um, like I think because I was a medical writer and research was key, and I've always been a very curious person, uh, I read everything I could on kidnapping to start with because I wanted a base of knowledge that would make me you know, a solid foundation. And after doing that, I had a strong realization that if I wanted to write a series about kidnapping, that I would need so much more 
than that. I would need an insider's view. So if you can believe it, I Googled Kidnap and Ransom Conference, and there was one. And it was held in Miami at the Biltmore Hotel. So I flew down there not knowing a soul, wondering how the reception would be. Because, you know, you're going into a very private world with a very small conference, about 80 people. And everyone there, you know, was connected to kidnapping. I was the only, you know, sort of odd man out. And the organizer said to me after the conference, she said, I was a bit worried, actually, you know, about the response because it's such a shadowy, protected world. But I think because I wasn't a journalist asking questions about their cases, but more just a curious observer trying to get their job correct in a work of fiction, that they um, really opened up to me. And I started building relationships at that conference that have lasted to this day. And uh, I think maybe, too, it helped. Uh, you know, I took them to the bar and got them to open up a little bit. Um, got to hear their war stories. And they could see that I was very keen on getting the facts correct. And I'm quite honored to call a lot of these kidnap you know, experts friends now. And they always read my books before they go out to make sure that there aren't any mistakes you know, from a factual standpoint. And so that's what I've done. And so it's taken me years and... and what would happen is I would meet someone in that world, and they would say, okay, these are the facts that I would love to share with you, but you know what? You could really benefit from hearing from so-and-so, and I'll introduce you. So it's really basically having you know, uh, the, the kindness of others, the generosity of others, and earning their trust and presenting enough professionalism, they realize that I really want to get this right and that I'm not you know, trying to reveal any secrets that would be you know, affect any potential hostages well with my background I volunteer for a missing persons organization and also have a lot of colleagues in the issue of human trafficking which kind of lines up with exactly what your research was was about Um, you know any any kidnapped victim whether it be you know, for ransom or whether it's into human trafficking, any victim like that is a missing person because they are not where they're supposed to be. So I can empathize with the research that you've done for the background on this. It's the stories that that the families tell. And we have a national conference coming up in March, and the, the stories are just phenomenal, That the things that they go through emotionally and and the grief that is so different than any other type of grief. Um, and I'm sure, you know, you've, you've probably heard stories from uh, people at that conference about the same thing. While their loved one is missing, there's, they're in limbo. They're just in a state of limbo. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And actually, um, I, had, I flew to Calgary for a special panel. I was talking about kidnapping and I was on with uh, the producer of that movie, Trafficked. And uh, we had a, a great discussion about the fact that you're right. I mean, it's basically you're being kidnapped in one form or another, whether it's for ransom or for human trafficking. And um, it's horrific because there's this void for the family if they don't know where their loved one is. And, um, and for the person involved, it's tragic because you're captured by people who have full control over you. And how do you get out of that? So it's it's and it's a pervasive issue across the globe now. You know, people used to oh, think yeah. it was some other country's problem, but as you well know, it's not. 
Exactly. Exactly. And and as you say, even when victims are found, they're they're not the the same person. I I just read an article last week about a young girl who uh, you know was rescued from a trafficking situation, came home, and you know subsequently after some time took her own life. And this is what we're dealing with with our young people, especially. And it's not always an issue where they're, you know, the white van comes up and snatches you off the street. There's so many other ways that they're lured into, uh-huh. into these kidnapping situations. But uh, and they're becoming very so, sophisticated as well, aren't they? The, the perpetrators. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So what, what do you feel? I mean, I don't know if this is in the book or not. But the, when the when the person is returned from this kidnapping situation, as you said before, they're not the same person. They they often come back with PTSD and and other issues as well. Um, what kind of resources do you feel are necessary, or what is out there that can help these people? Well, I'm very lucky to be connected with um, a great group called Hostage US or Hostage UK. And if anyone is coming back um, from, you know, being held hostage anywhere in the world, they should definitely connect with these groups. Um, They have endless resources from, you know, psychologists and sociologists and uh, professionals who are very, very familiar with what happens with hostages. And they have trained individuals to be able to, you know, support the person as they transition back to what they hope will be a new normal. And I say new normal because, like we said, you're never the same, but how can you adjust and enjoy your life and recover from the scars, you know, that have happened while you were in captivity? And so Hostage US and Hostage UK are phenomenal. They're also... Governments have, you know, people, what they call them, hostage reintegration experts. And these are people, you know, who will basically take someone and get them all the different help they need, whether it's occupational, you know, assistance, right, help them get back to a position, a job. You know, sometimes, like, for example, I met a lovely girl named Renee who was from Germany. He was kidnapped by FARC in Colombia. And she was a massage therapist, and you know, beforehand, but she suffered you know, physical injuries that would never allow her to do that again. So she needed retraining, you know, to be able to do something else in life. So they have people that will definitely help psychologically, vocationally, and um, even, you know, family integration because sometimes a family has a tough time adjusting to the new person that's come back. Absolutely, and, and the ripple effect is it's not just this one person that you have to deal with. You're, you, you're dealing with the family, and you're dealing with friends, and you're actually dealing with the feelings of a whole community that surrounds this person once they come back. And if we can find a way to integrate all of that together, we might have more success stories. But we digress. <laughs> this is no, it's I'm, fascinating, I'm isn't it? I know. I yeah. I can go down a, a very, very you know big rabbit hole with kidnapping and talk about it for hours because I I truly yeah. think it's it's one of the it's it's a horrific crime, and it is becoming more prevalent. Yes, it is, and and definitely definitely something that needs our attention. So with with the books that you have written, what's your target readership? Who who needs to read these books? Well, um, I definitely feel that 
you know, both genders can really enjoy the books, and I've had excellent feedback from both male and female readers, which makes me very happy because not every book, you know, can straddle that, right? It, it depends on what you're targeting. Uh, you know, I, I definitely have action and excitement in the book and, and also a lot of emotion in the book. So I hope that people will enjoy it from different um, facets of, of life. Uh, also, Adrenaline Junkies, hopefully, will enjoy it because, you know, Thea definitely lives a very, you know, fast-paced life. I think anyone that loves to travel, it can benefit because I include a lot of travel safety information integrated into the story because I'm a big believer that as you read, you should be entertained, hopefully, and educated as well. You know, that you want to leave and put that book down feeling like, you know what, I really learned a lot in that book and it's going to serve me well in my travels. Um, but fans of thrillers, you know, fans of strong female protagonists. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, strength of theme in the book about family. So anyone who I think, you know, has struggled with any family issues might enjoy it as well. I like the edutainment, um, edutainment word for things that you learn within a book, whether it be fiction or whether it be, you know, a true story. You can always learn something from a book if, if the writer so chooses to educate you, and I think that's great. Well, what kind of awards have you won for your work? And tell us about that. Well, it was a huge, huge honor for me to win the best first novel from the international thriller writers. I mean, that's sort of like, I, I, we, you know, we jokingly call it the kind of like Academy Awards, you know, for writers, right, in, the, in that thriller world. Um, so the fact that, you know, the judges felt it was a strong entry meant a great deal to me. And, uh, you know, I was also very fortunate as I was working towards getting published um, to win um, some Daphne du Maurier Awards. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but uh, uh, it, the Romance Writers of America have these awards, and they're named after Daphne du Maurier. And so they're all focused on suspense and, uh, you know, books with suspense in them. And so having won a few of those was a huge honor as well because I have such respect for Daphne du Maurier's work. And, um, I, you know, also uh, the Military Writers of America gave, um, you know, a gold medal to the Freedom Broker. So that was really nice because, you know, they obviously look for accuracy when it comes to, you know, combat. And the fact that they felt it had that meant a great deal. And so, you know, I just, I feel like the starred reviews were incredibly special. Um, you know, I just try my best to tackle a book, um, hopefully with trying to really work hard on my craft. And I hope with every novel I'll get stronger at that because I feel that, you know, the, the quality of the storytelling has a huge impact on a reader. And I also really want to bring authenticity to the page. So I double check every single fact and try to get it right and, you know, really go to town on the information. I think my passion for research, um, you know, is, is served well there because, you know, whether it's the type of gun or the country that I visit, um, I almost always go to the settings that are in my novels. And so I really feel like I want to bring the reader right there so that they can close their eyes and pretend they're actually going through the story with me. Well, what kind of advice would you give to 
to people out there, writers out there who are, are working on their first books and maybe haven't been published yet, but there's a passion there to get their story out, what would you tell them? Yeah, well, I, I, as you know, my other job is I'm the executive director of a conference called Thriller Fest, and it's the annual conference um, held in July uh, in New York City every year. And I highly recommend anyone that is wants to write in anything to do with, like, page-turning fiction to come to that because it's hugely beneficial. But there are sort of two things I say. First of all, find a topic like I have for kidnapping that you're wildly passionate about that will create a series because publishers really do enjoy series that will last and not be it always remain fresh you know never sort of feel like repetitive strive for something that isn't out there study the market and look for holes you know so that you can be different and fresh you know for example if you're going to write a police procedural um, maybe set it in a new city that hasn't been done before or set it you know pick a character who has some aspect that has never been tackled before. But make sure that you have a new niche because you really want to make sure that you stand out in the crowd. It's a very, very competitive environment, you know, writing. And uh, to be able to find success, you have to bring something different to the table. And I, I think a lot of writers should look internally and say, what fires me up? What am I really passionate about? Because I can really tell when someone has written a novel um, filled with passion versus, hey, this this subject matter is hot in the market now. I think I'm going to try and write a book about that, you know? And the second piece of advice I would give would be to embrace criticism from constructive sources. So it's hard, you know, because books are our babies <laughs> and we're very protective and loving towards them. And... I've learned, you know, I went back to my master's in creative writing. I've gone to many retreats. I have had, you know, my pages, you know, bled all over with red ink, and I love it because I always want to get better. And I think to have that hunger and drive and to embrace criticism, but always say from constructive sources and also from educated sources. You know, you have to be really careful um, where you get your criticism from, of course, because you want to make sure you're getting good advice. Um, so just trust your gut and be open to learning from others. Wonderful advice. Wonderful. And I, I have a few friends who are struggling through their first published novels or, or even true crime books, actually. So that's I'm going to definitely make them listen to this so that they can get your great advice. <laughs> well, tell advice. them to come to Thriller Fest, too, because um, we yes, have a craft well, section, and let's it's, talk like, about unbelievable. Thriller Fest. And, sure. And, and what, what would someone experience by going there, and, and who in the Ivy League of, of best-selling authors would they possibly run into? Sure. Well, we're very, very lucky with our spotlight guests that we tend to have a lot of high-profile authors come every single year. And some of those people include Lee Child, Steve Barry, David Morrell. This year we're, we're um, showcasing Diana Gabaldon from the Outlander series. Um, we've had George R.R. R. Martin um, from the Game of Thrones series. Um, we have John Sanford, Nelson DeMille. I mean, we just go on. Ken Follett, I mean, Anne Rice. 
I could just go on and on and on. Heather Graham, you know, it's, it's incredible. So, and every year we feature different authors. Um, for example, we're also having Michael Connolly come this year, Veronica Roth, from, um, and as well as jo- Joseph Finder. And so, you know, it, it just, we're so fortunate, you know, to be able to get this level of writer to attend. So from a net- networking perspective, Thriller Fest is a dream come true. We never have any VIP or green rooms. So all these authors are in the halls, mingling with everyone, super friendly. It's a beautiful thing. It's not like, you know, any separation. So if you're an aspiring author and you want to talk to someone about, you know, how to write books and how to be successful, you can ask questions to all the masters. And then just to give you a very quick snapshot of the week, we have on a Monday of the week, we have a session with the ATF where ATF agents come in and talk about the area of expertise. And then on the Tuesday, we have Masterclass, where 10 students or fewer are in with New York Times bestselling authors. And you, they basically submit 10 pages of their work, and they get it critiqued, and they, and they get a lecture, and it's very, very interesting. And people come out of that transformed. Then we have Craft Fest um, next Wednesday, Thursday, and that is where we talk about the craft of writing as well as the business of writing. So lots of very, very high-profile people will teach in those classes. And then on Thursday afternoon, we have Pitch Fest. Everyone wants an agent. So we uh, you know, have this set up where you can pitch several different agents and see if you can find a connection. And on the website, thrillerfest.com, there are success stories that have come out of those opportunities. And then Friday, Saturday, we have panels, interviews with our very high-profile spotlight guests, and a banquet where the awards are given out. So that's basically the week in a snapshot. Well, that is definitely a week of immersion into writing and and all things about it. How do you feel about self-publishing? I think it's a wonderful choice. Let's let's face it. Um, you know, with traditional publishers, they're only going to publish so many a year, and it's really really competitive. And sometimes, if people are very talented marketers or have a platform of their own, or are creative, it's a great way to get your book out there. The only thing I would, I would say in caution with self-publishing is you really need to do your homework and hire a professional editor so that you have a very polished product out there, and make sure you hire a great graphic artist for the cover, because you, know, you want to make sure that your production quality is just the same. Um, but yeah, it, it, and there's small publishers too, right? And there's, there's a, I, I can't even tell you, it's amazing how many people are being hybrid authors now, right? Where they write something for a traditional publisher and something for a self-published. So I think whatever fits your goals the best is what you should do. Yeah, I find that to be true as well. And and what about the marketing of a book? I think, and, and running into a lot of authors as I do, authors want to write. When it comes to marketing the book, they have no clue where to start, what to do. Um, it's not a matter of write it and they will come and buy it. That, that won't happen. So mm-hmm. how do you go about or giving advice about how to market your book, especially maybe for a first-time author? It's a very, very good question, and it's, it's forefront uh, at Thriller Fest because we really want to make sure people understand. Um, there are many, many different ways to market your book, but one of the 
main things I would say if I was talking to someone um, that had a novel is I would ask them, what is your nonfiction hook of this book? And just to, as an example, with my mind, I would say kidnapping, right? And also diabetes. Those are two major hooks that are nonfiction related. So can you go on radio shows and become you know, a subject matter expert of kidnapping? Um, can you talk to groups of people that are dealing with diabetes and say, hey, Thea Paris is, is a really good heroine and a great you know, role model for people with diabetes? So I think that's what you need to do is you need to say to yourself, where and how is my book different than anyone else's out there? And who are the people that would love to learn about those particular things? And I think if you drill down to that, um, it's an excellent idea. And, of course, there's a million other ways, you know, with respect to, uh, you know, Facebook ads. I highly recommend for brand-new authors to do a lot of online marketing. Many, many, many people now buy their books online, right, whether they, you know, order from Barnes Noble or their um, local bookshop or, you know, Amazon, wherever, right, but they often order online, and that is a great chance to grab them while they're sitting at the computer, and they can go, ooh, that book sounds very interesting indeed, and then just order it right away. A lot of more good advice. I hope everyone out there who is who is listening and writing and aspiring to become a published author listens very closely to the points that you've made. Um, so let's go back and tell people where can they buy your books. Sure. Um, <laughs> right online. Uh, if you're at your computers now. Uh, no, I'm kidding. So my, my website is kjhow.com, and always happy to hear from writers and readers. Uh, anything I can do to help, please let me know. And um, also, of course, you know, um, on any – I basically have the, my books everywhere, right? So, And I have them in hardcover, trade paperback, audio books, and e-books. So whatever your listening pleasure or reading pleasure is, audiobooks have had a huge explosion in the last several years. I thoroughly enjoy them myself when I drive or exercise. And um, so you can always, you know, listen to the books that way. That's great. And as we're coming down to the final moments of this podcast, what would be your final takeaway for listeners today about your books, about yourself, about any world issues, anything, what what would you like for listeners to go away with? Well, I just feel very much that, you know, uh, reading and writing is the best escapism there is. We do live in a challenging times with a lot of issues. We struggle, you know, with health problems. We struggle with financial problems, perhaps, we job issues. But when we read um, or write, it's the best escapism we can have. And so if you have a dream, don't hesitate to follow it and write your book of your heart because only only one person can write that book, and that's you because you have the background and experience and knowledge from living the life that you've lived and showcase that and show it with the world and be proud of it. And that's the way I try and look at my fiction as well, you know, that I've had a lot of international experiences and, you know, I've been around a lot of health issues and I feel like, you know, that every single person makes their book unique and different because of that. And there's nothing better than storytelling as an escape and a help. Um, for example, when I was a young kid traveling all the time, starting new schools, 
um, it was hard constantly making new friends. And books were always my friend, and that's the way I feel for life, that the book is always your friend. Wonderful. And, yes, a a good story can take you anywhere and teach you anything as well. Mm -hmm. I, I just can't I tell you how more. thrilling how thrilling this this interview has been with you, KJ. And I, I hope everyone who's listening today will go to kjhow.com and pick up your books. I'm sure they're on Amazon and everywhere else. And, mm-hmm. They sure are. Uh, wonderful. I know, I know I'm hitting that button. <laughs> Because well, I want to know more. And, I want to know yeah, more. Yeah, well, I deeply appreciate your time today, and it's been a real pleasure connecting. And, and uh, like I said, you know, I'm out there. My, my email is on the Thriller Fest website as well. People have questions about writing. And uh, I wish you the best of success because, you know, it's all about following our dreams. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think it's beautiful that you're so open to readers and, and you're open to their questions and, and so helpful. So. I thank you for coming today and giving your time to to my listeners, and um, maybe I can have you come back for the next book. I'd be honored. Anytime at all. Wonderful. And you come on down and join us in New York City. <laughs> you know, that, you've, you've really made it tempting, and I hope everyone who who is able will attend Thriller Fest because it does sound like a marvelous experience, just immersed in, in books and writing and, and people that are interesting for a whole week would be a, a wonderful experience. So as yeah, everyone, we call it summer as camp you, for writers. <laughs> yes, I can see why. And as we go out into this this big bad world of international kidnapping or, you know, just sitting at home, remember just one thing, if nothing else, please, please be kind to one another. <laughs>